This is your host, Tia. This is your host, Tia. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Top 10. Why? And welcome back to another amazing episode of the Top 10 by Geek Vibes Nation. I'm your host, Tia, and this week we are back to the format of doing this over the phone as opposed to doing it in person. So uh, welcome, everyone, first-time listeners and dedicated listeners alike. As I said just two seconds earlier, I'm your host, Tia, and I have with me today Brittany how are you, Brittany, and how does it feel to be back in Arkansas after being in New York for a week? It's cold. <laughs> I can't think of that family guy anger where he just yells the temperature. But no, uh, definitely miss being in New York. I was going to say, I always have to comment on your voiceover right at the beginning, and it makes me think of the Terminator when it slowly starts to slip away, and I'm like, well, shit, <laughs> she's going to kill us all. <laughs> You know, when uh, my boyfriend, Paulie, was creating the uh, theme to that, that's what I liked about this whole, like, computerized type of electronic thing to it. I don't know. I liked it. Um, Move so over, technical I'm boy. Technical girl is here. <laughs> Listen, I'm glad that it makes you think of the Terminator, because, yes, I'll be back. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, no. <laughs> But, um, yeah, Brittany, I'm excited for the two of us to be doing this this morning. So last week we had, you know, top ten superhero costumes. And um, I like those generalized lists, but I also like the list where we focus on, say, a TV uh, show or a movie specifically because they're really fun. We can, like, deep dive into it. And as Brittany knows, this is a show that I have been up with lately, and it is called Halt and Catch Fire. Now, if you haven't heard of it, don't feel too bad, because I didn't up until recently, but it was an AMC show that ran for four seasons from 2014 to 2017, and apparently has quite the cult following, and there have been several articles that talk about, like, the best shows within the past decade or the best underrated shows, and believe it or not, Halt and Catch Fire is usually on the list. So, it um, stars Lee Pace, Scoot McNary, Mackenzie Davis, Carrie Beach, and Toby Huss. And it, um, it, it takes place in the early 1980s with the whole computer revolution, yada, yada. And it's just so amazing. You think about it and you're like, oh, it's just a bunch of like computer stuff and coders and whatever. And maybe you don't think it's necessarily that exciting. But let me tell you, I was hooked within the first episode. Ask Brittany. I cannot shut up about this show. I say she is pretty obsessed. It's a great show. Loved every minute of it. But uh, when we were in, when, well, when I was in New York with her, and she was like, I'm sorry, can I show you one more thing? <laughs> one more thing. And I'm like, yes, yes, you can, because it's just that good. I, I had to show Brittany, like, so much of this show just because I love it. And she graciously agreed to humor me and do a top 10 on Halt and Catch Fire. So thank you, Brittany. 
Um, obviously, for those who have not watched the show, you should. It's on Netflix. And it, um, but obviously, this uh, top 10 is going to be very spoiler heavy. So, again, if you haven't seen it and you don't want to be spoiled, then I guess don't listen, which would be sad. You should listen. And if you are a fan of this series, then please reach out to us on Twitter so that we can all geek out about it. But I think I've done enough of an introduction, and we should just deep dive right into this list. So, Brittany, as always, I'm going to give you the number 10 spot. I was going to say, it's kind of silly, but it's just for the meaning behind it almost. I love when, at the beginning, when Joe takes Gordon's spot. And the reason (laughs) why, I feel like it's like a setup of their relationship. Gordon having something and Joe just, like, shoving himself into it, taking it, making it his. And I just love Gordon's face when he's like, hey, 26. I think it was 26. And Joe just looks at, and what was it, A16? Yes. And when he looks at him, he's like, A16, A16. And Joe just looks at him. Like, he is, like, poop on his shoe. Like, like does not even care. And Gordon, and it goes to show, you know, at this point, Gordon's kind of, like, a wuss. He's kind of, like, beaten down. Because instead of just being like, oh, I'm going to make a move, I'll call somebody. He just accepts it. And I feel like it was such a good work up for the series that it is very uh, enlightening to the relationship that both of them have together which, you know, we see it get better later on, but I just felt like it was such a great beginning. And Gordon's so adorable, but, man, he's such a wuss at the beginning. (laughs) Definitely, because um, as we see in the first episode, it's set up that Gordon is this really talented engineer who two years back um, went with his wife to Comdex, which was a real-life expo for those in the computer business and they went there to um you know showcase their computer that they worked on and it didn't turn on so it was obviously a big failure a lot of money lost and pretty much Gordon's confidence went down the toilet at that point so it is the perfect time for someone like Gordon to pretty much be caught up in someone like Joe's web. And as you said, Joe, uh, you know, the whole thing, the first two seasons take place in Texas. Joe is from New York. He's a big IBM worker, you know, got this like really nice looking suit, this expensive Porsche, and he pulls into this spot. And there's Gordon pulling up and he's just like, A16, A16, as you said, Joe looks at him as if he is shit on his shoe. And Gordon then just finds another freaking spot um, and doesn't even, like, argue, just goes to his desk and sits down and, like, accepts it. And I love that uh, after that, Joe is like, A16, come with me. We're going on a sales uh, meeting. We'll take my car. It's closer. And I'm like, yeah, you did. It's closer. Because you took his Um, And so that was just like, as you said, like the perfect setup for their relationship because Gordon needed someone to come and light a fire under his ass and Joe was more than willing to do so. And you find out that the reason is because Joe specifically, um, you know, sought out Gordon because he read Gordon's article in this, uh, you know, this magazine about 
who he is about what he wants for the future of computer engineering. And he's like, I need this guy. I don't care how uh, self-deprecating he is after the failure of the Symphonic, which was his computer. I'm going to get this guy by pretty much um, emasculating him at first. So it is really a – sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. I was going to say, can we talk that? Like, why did it have to be a sociopathic narcissist? Like, <laughs> Joe could have been great, but Joe is literally the worst human being I have ever watched. He is like on Joffrey level for me at times. You are not wrong because even though Joe is played by Lee Pace, who is a fantastic actor, uh, really talented, very charismatic in the show, and again, not bad to look at, but um, he oh, is the eyebrows. Yeah, right. <laughs> He's a psychopath. He really is. Um, we see this throughout the series that. Even though he seems very human, I like to say, he is certainly not at times because he will screw over his closest friends. And he does that to Gordon throughout the series. But in the context of your pick, this, I think, really rejuvenated Gordon and what was something that uh, Gordon needed because he was really just like walking, uh, sleepwalking through life, you know? We see that one... uh, you know, we see that one moment where he's just kind of like standing in the kitchen and his wife Donna is like, can you hand me the salt? Do you think you can do that at least? And you can see like even something as small as that is so incredibly difficult for Gordon because he is so just miserable. Poor baby Gordon. I know. <laughs> he's, just, he, he's a cinnamon roll, still cinnamon roll. Rolled underneath <laughs> the, uh, as you said the other day, rolled underneath the table and kicked around a little bit cinnamon roll. Yeah, that's exactly what he is. <laughs> but, um, Brittany, I think that this is a fantastic way to start the, the list. And I'm actually, my pick for number nine is going to be something. It's not going to be a Gordon pick, believe it or not, because as Brittany knows, Gordon is my favorite character in the show. But while we're on the subject of Joe, it is Cameron asking Joe if she, if he's going to get bored of her. Um, oh, yes. I had that on my list, too. I love oh, it. Oh, sorry. I'm no, sorry. It's okay. Girl, we got like a million picks because the show's so good. But it's, as you said, it's what it symbolizes. Um, So quick background again for those who may have not watched the show and you're just trying to figure out if this is something that you even want to watch. Um, Joe, played by Lee Pace, is bisexual. But in the first season, he ends up with this very, like, very complicated and very toxic relationship with this girl, Cameron, who is this... um, software uh, coder that they bring in to help uh, with this IBM uh, copying project, whatever. And Joe is just, obviously Cameron's catching feelings, right? Cameron is catching feelings. She's trying to get Joe to come out of his shell, and he is just stringing her along, whatever. And then at some point in the season, we meet this guy. And do you remember his name? I think it was Simon, right? I think it was Simon. I thought I knew it started with like an S, I believe. Right. So we meet this guy Simon who is writing up uh drawing up designs for the computer that they're working on, but you find out that Joe and Simon 
previously had a relationship like 10 years prior. And um, during at some point in the episode, Simon and Cameron talk, and Simon pretty much is telling Cameron, like, you know, Joe is a great guy, but and he wants to really feel that personal connection with people, but he can't because he's a psychopath. He can't feel he can't feel those feelings. He can't connect with people and eventually he gets bored. And so there's at some point where Joe and Cameron are in the cab and Cameron's already feeling like shit because she sees that what Joe and Simon had was pretty intense and she's just feeling a certain way over it. And she asks Joe, are you going to get bored of me? And instead of Joe just, like, lying, I guess, and being, like, you know, a decent human being, going, no, not at all, he goes, I don't know, which is never something that a person wants to hear. <laughs> I feel like I would be scarred for life when it came to relationships if I dated Joe. I would be like, you know what? Maybe that asexual thing isn't so bad. I'm done with everyone. Exactly. I mean, Joe is just toxic like that. I feel like he ruins everything that he touches. Um, but he also is like a great salesman in trying to get people motivated. And he gets people motivated and then he crashes and burns. So, But it's so sad, you know, like there's Cameron, like, just legitimately asking him, like, are you going to get bored of me? Because I thought that what we had was pretty, you know, like intense. We've learned things about each other. And Joe just said, I don't know. So it's like pretty much telling uh, Cameron, that at some point, this guy that you have so so many feelings for is probably just going to walk away from you. So that's my pick. I know it was on your list as well, Brittany, so I'm going to give you a moment to kind of talk about, you know, the, the scene. No, I love it. And I'm going to say really quick on a side note, how did Joe just randomly come into this business and, like, take it over in like no time, he's very an A-type personality. He uh, he just came rolling in there because I was thinking of buzzwords, and I was like, "Geez, how? What the? What the hell?" But no, I love that scene because it is like you know you do start to wonder. You're like, okay, you know, we know Joe isn't a great person, but how deep does it go? And at first, you think, man, Simon's kind of a dick. You know, he's kind of being really salty with Cameron. He seems like a really jealous ex, but then, which you know, in a way, he is. But then you realize he is trying to tell Cameron, like, oh, you think you're something special? You know, I thought I was something special. I told him I loved you, and at that moment, I knew it was over, and I tried to save face. And you're like, okay, you know. This is pretty sad, you know, but when Joe runs after her, when she takes off after they hug, you know, when Simon says he's sick, you know, and he runs after her and you're like, oh, man, he does care because, you know, he ran all this way after her, you know, and we know how prideful he is. And then she's just like, oh, are you going to get bored of me? And he's like, I don't know. And I was like, great. Yet he still, like, holds her. And I was like, Joe, you're sending a lot of mixed signals right now. But in a way, I do kind of feel bad for Joe because you can tell he wants to feel things. You know he wants to have those connections and be able to keep them going, but it's like there's something innately wrong inside of him that just can't form those connections. And you're like, it's very human of him in a way. Even though he's very robotic, we do see in the scenes like, where he's emulating people he sees on uh, 
like on a billboard, you know, he's just a robot putting on a on a face. But what gets me is that he seems almost genuinely sad when he says, you know, I don't know. And I'm like, well, shit, you know, did your dad do this to you? Your mom dropping you do this? What did it? It's funny that you say um, that Joe desperately wants to feel these type of feelings because there's at some point when Simon tells Joe that he's sick, that Joe is saying, you know, what we had all those years ago, like, I wanted to, like, pretty much saying, like, I wanted to reciprocate those feelings, but I just couldn't. Simon's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> like, I know that's how you are. And, yes, Simon could certainly seem like a jealous ex. And I'm sure that in a way that he is somewhat jealous because he did care for Joe, and he comes back and he sees that Joe is with Cameron. But then Simon is just trying to tell Cameron, like, this is what you're getting into. And it's, like, almost like this sincere moment between the two of them. Um, Which, by the way, is funny that you said about Joe trying to emulate people that he sees on billboards because I noticed, Remember that episode in season one where he sees the guy on the billboard and Joe immediately takes off his tie and he takes off his jacket and he kind of, like, loosens his shirt? Um, In season two, he's, like, never wearing a tie and the top button of his shirt is always undone. I'm like, wow, he really, like, keeps up with what he thinks is the perception of human beings at the time. Yeah, he's not even his own person. He's just an image. Oh, that's so perfect, which is great because he's like the typical salesman who's not even like sincere. He's just pretty much selling you a bunch of shit. So I love it. I love this scene. Um, We could probably dedicate like hours and hours of dissecting Joe and how messed up he is. But regardless, this is a top 10, so we must move on. Uh, Brittany, what is your number eight? I'm looking at it, and I'm like, man, they're all so good, you know, what's the best order to put it? But I'm going to go ahead, and I'm going to go with the, the journalist. Whenever uh, whenever mm. the journalist comes and Joe is like, you, he's like, oh, you know, tells that one, like, the receptionist, like, oh, get Cameron out, make her put on a bra, you know, we got to put on images. And then the next thing you know, all that code that Cameron's been working on that she literally hasn't slept over is gone. And just, like, her mental breakdown on it. And the journalist is just freaking loving it. He's like, this is the best story ever. I am so happy I came here. Which then, of course, you, uh, you know, and you have Gordon, who's just a dick to Cameron. You know, he's all up in her face. He's like, didn't he pin her at some point? Like, because he's so pissed off. It, like, or he gets in her face or something, but he, he just, goes everybody. To get in her, he goes to get in her face, and Joe, like, literally has to pull Gordon back from her. Oh, and it's like, and you can tell, like, everybody's in there, everybody's trying to figure out, everybody's making, like, Cameron feel like shit, and she's like, oh, I did do a backup, and they're like, oh, you put it here, you know, of course that's going to wipe it. And you just feel for Cameron because, you know, she's kind of mentally unstable as it is. She's very very fragile, even though she tries to act hard, and uh, which always makes me giggle. But um, but it's just like, then you just find out, it's like, Joe did it. Joe did it to her. He made her take the fall for it. It wiped everything, fried her computer, because 
he just wanted to have a good story. He just wanted to have the journalist have something to write about. And he even says later on, he's like, oh, whether it be good or bad, we just need people talking. We need to- people to just know we exist. And Cameron doesn't end up finding out for a long time. And I think what gets me about it is as awful as because also, you know, you have the part with Gordon, uh, Gordon and Donna's children revealing to Cameron that they laugh over calling her white trash. And, you know, that, it's just a very emotional episode as it is. I know it's kind of more than just a scene, but the whole situation itself is just depressing. And then at the end, whenever... Donna, who's the one that figured out that Joe did all of this, then she tells Gordon, and Gordon's like, well, are they going to write about us? And he's like, gosh darn it, Gordon, you dick. This is why Gordon and Joe are, like, perfect for each other, because of all their differences. It's like they still have that, like, singular mindset. They're literally the worst. (laughs) Gordon... He brings life into Gordon, but I don't know if it's a good life all the time. <laughs> um, I remember showing you this episode because I was like, this is my favorite episode. If I have to pick within the, the all the four seasons, this is my favorite episode because it has so much in it. We have, as you said, I'm not going to go through all of it again, but, you know, Cameron freaking out because she thinks the bios code is lost. Um Gordon begging Donna to come to help, which I love this in this show that they didn't just make Donna say like the housewife, you know, uh, next to Gordon, who is the misunderstood genius. It's like, no, Donna is incredibly yeah, intelligent herself, you know, and she's the only one who can like help. And I love the scene because Gordon and Donna are obviously like conflicting a little because of how intense this project is. And um, when they get Donna in and Donna's, like, figuring out how to retrieve the BIOS code and all, like, the other guys are like, wow, I think she's smarter than you, Gordon. And Gordon's like, oh, I knew that the first moment I met her, how utterly intelligent she was and how I would never fully be deserving of her. And the guys are looking at each other and one goes, someone's in the doghouse. That's <laughs> so true, dude. It's so true because didn't uh, didn't Donna miss another, like, deadline because of yeah. all this bullshit? She missed another deadline. They had to take the kids to the company because neither of them could be watching them and it was just like this whole big thing and I love that Donna's the one who figures out everything which for Cameron because she is like having a mental effing breakdown uh because of this shit but and then Gordon at the end's like well did it work and I was like (laughs) Donna just spent a whole entire day missed a deadline over fake bullshit just because Joe, the psychopath, wanted some sort of drama for this journalist to actually write about, and you're just like, well, does it work? <laughs> and Joe just needs to, like, make his own reality shows, because he'd be good at uh, strumming up some fake drama for it. It'd just... be fantastic at soap operas. Every episode, like, oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> Speaking of which, that makes me think of whenever uh, I was leaving the plane and that soap opera, and it was like, but how do you fake a DNA test four times? And we are just like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's 
the epitome of terrible freaking um uh what you call it soap operas. Yes, I love it. <laughs> um yeah, I absolutely love this episode in its entirety and it is a great um a great uh choice on the top ten. I was gonna say something else but then I completely like missed it. And I was like, All right, well I um and it's gone. <laughs> and it's gone. But um let me hit number seven and it is again like so many great choices that all stem from Joe just being a terrible human being. Um so it is going to be uh Joe foregoing the information that Gordon is not going to calm death. So Oh uh, no <laughs> So, again, the whole thing is that context, and I looked it up because I'm crazy like that. I looked up in context was a real uh, expo for people. I think it started in the late 70s or something and ended probably around, like, two, either 2003 or 2013. I know it was, like, a 2003 going on there, but um, pretty much it was, like, the big show that if you had anything that you wanted to showcase, you were going to showcase it there. So the first season is all about Joe coming in and he wants them to replicate an IBM uh, software to sell to people to be faster and to be cheaper. And then they eventually go with this idea that it's also going to be portable, which I always laugh my ass off when they're like, it's impossible to make a portable computer that's under 15 pounds. And I'm like, okay, I think um, – like the Apple laptop weighs like two pounds at this point, but it's just hilarious to me. Um, so uh, obviously Gordon is excited about Comdex, right? Because him and Donna went a couple of years ago and he's like, this year, this year is going to be the year that we actually succeed. I'm so excited. And he, so uh, Joe, at this point, Joe and Cameron are screwing. Joe uh, and Cameron are talking about the fact that Cameron's not going to Comtex, and Cameron's fine with it because she's like, it's all a bunch of salespeople. I don't give a shit. And she's like, but did you tell Gordon? And he's like, no. And he's like, do you think that he'll be upset? And you see Gordon, he's all excited. He's telling the receptionist, he's like, oh, Comtex, you know, it's so amazing. Uh, it's where everyone needs to be. You know, there's all these parties when Donna and I went. It was so effing amazing. I can't wait. Did you book me that room? You know, blah, blah, blah. And the receptionist is like, oh, you're going? Joe told me to only book one room. And, of course, Gordon, like, goes. And he's just like, are you kidding, Joe? I just built the damn thing. And he then literally runs into his office, gets, like, one of those, like, tapes that have, like, calming, you know, uh, uh, you know, recites calming affirmations because uh, Gordon literally, like, suffered a freaking mental breakdown the previous episode. <laughs> and then he just... And then he just flings the freaking like tape recorder against the wall, and I'm like, "Yep, that's uh, that is Joe and Gordon's relationship in a nutshell." So that is going to be my entry for the number seven. <laughs> what do you think about this, Brittany? And isn't Joe just the worst? I think we're learning hey, that more and more as we go through this top ten. He is the absolute worst. I remember watching that and just like thinking, like that that show. This show is so stressful, but so good. That's why sometimes I was like, when we were watching, I was like, I need a break of something happy <laughs> or like a low effort. And that's how we got into uh, marvelous Mrs. Maisel. But um, that's amazing. 
which is, is amazing, Luke Kirby. But I digress. <laughs> um, no, I love this scene because I remember cringing because I was like, okay, that's a real shitty move because you know Gordon is so excited about Comdex. You know, everybody's excited. You know, they're setting up everything for it, and you have Bosworth like, shit, this is going to cost a lot of money. And they're like, oh, it's all about the image, you know, the presentation is one thing but you you know you have to make your hotel room into basically a party it's a non-stop party you know shrimp but you can't have the shrimp a certain way because they're going to be able to tell if it's not fresh and you're just like well what the shit you know and Gordon is so excited for it you know this is his like trying to be better because last time was so embarrassing and then whenever the person's like yeah, you know, when he throws his tape because he's so pissed off. And then you have with Donna where he's like, Donna, I knew that we said we would discuss all purchases over $50. But, and this is after the time of another point that's going to come up in this uh, top 10. I'm sure at least it's on my list. But, and she's like, yeah, sure, that's fine. Because it was like $500 or something. For him to book himself a room because he completely refused to not go. Gordon was going to go to Comdex, like come hell or high water, he was going to go to Comdex. He did not give a shit if Joe was not going to book him a room. He was like, this is what I've worked up towards my whole entire life. What did, uh, who, how did Cameron end up going? Um, so the whole so I can't thing remember. Is, um, the whole thing is that Joe. Okay, so remember uh, Cardiff, which is the company they worked at. They like failed out of their money and everything, and blah blah blah. And so it was like this whole big shit. Joe was gonna like pretty much go back to IBM, and Gordon was like, "We need to put the, we need to like round ourselves up together." So we pretty much like goes to Cameron, and he's like, you and I need to convince Joe that we just need to go to Comdex. Like, regardless of what's going on with Cardiff, we have to go to Comdex. Um, Which is also an amazing scene, really quick, not to, like, talk too much about it, but I love Cameron, who's like, I'm not going to go to Comdex. Like, you're not going to convince me. And Gordon's like, all right, well, you know, um, you know, I'm just a hardware guy, so I don't know anything about your software and your, like, OS system, so when we're there, I'm just going to wing it, but it's okay, right? Like, I'll explain it properly. Like, he says, he's like, oh, it's like your mother in a computer, and Cameron's just looking at him like, oh, my God, you're going to botch it. So that's when she's <laughs> like, all right, let's go get Joe. <laughs> I do love that Cameron, even though she's at least in her 20s, she still is, like, an angsty teen that, like, just needs a moment. She is such an angsty teen because I'm telling you, I cannot watch Fault and Catch Fire with Folly without him at least saying at least five times an episode, like, God, I hate Cameron. (laughs) I know, Cameron, I had to warm up to her, just like everybody else in her life. I, I'm I'm telling you, I feel like she gets better. Like, first two seasons, she is a little bit uh, insufferable. But third season, I, I feel like she's maturing a little more. That's just my personal opinion on it. But I can see where the first two seasons, she is just like, oh, my God, go away. 
I think what gets me about the show is there's always a constant dramatic thing happening, which is fair, but you're just like, okay, who causes the most drama? It's like you have the family drama, you have Joe drama, Cameron drama, all of it, and I'm like, no, just let me be happy. <laughs> That's the thing, is that like, it, there's fun part, but it is very much a drama. There is a lot of shit going on. Just like a high school, except it's work. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. But um, uh, bah, bah, bah. was that my pick or your pick? I'm totally lost now. This is me, that, right? That was your pick. Contact was your pick. Okay, so uh, Brittany, you got number six. What you got for us? I, I'm looking through, and I'm like, man, which one's the best part? I think I'm gonna go with uh. Gordon finding out about the kiss that Donna had with her boss. Yeah. Because, because you have like where the other, uh, what was the place? Uh, Texas Instruments was the place, yeah. right? But he ends up leaving. So I don't know if it's the same place or not. But he comes up and it's the exact design as the giant. And you're like, oh, no. And then you have that Weasley little goofball that they fired that was always up in Gordon's grill, like, consistently, and who was shitty and broke into the house with a shotgun. I feel like nobody else talked more about that. I feel like Cameron should have said something like, hey, you know, I did this, but you also had a guy in there that was, like, going to kill you. So... (laughs) But you sit there, and everybody's just so upset. They're like, and I love Donna attacking him, like, you son of a bitch. And, you know, they walk off. You know, Joe and Cameron are talking about it. They're like, oh, this is espionage. You know, this was them trying, that we got raided. We got to figure out how it is. And you just see Gordon and Donna go into the room as he, like, slams the door shut in front of Joe and Cameron. And you're like, okay, Gordon, you're a little bit salty. And then... He's like, did you sleep with him? Because obviously, you know, she worked there. That was her boss, and it's the same design. And she's like, you know, no, you know, it was just blah, blah, blah. You know, he must have gotten it from uh, that fax you sent. And then you sit there, and you go, oh, Donna doesn't really regret it too much because he's like, did you have an affair? And she's like, it was just a kiss, but it should have been. And I was like, oh, oh no. She's going deep on Gordon. She's going deep. And Gordon's like, you're a child. Just their whole fight is great. Because, oh, when he tells her, he's like, why don't you go call down and get his room number? I'm sure he'll have you. Go ahead. And I was like, oh, oh, he's fucking pissed. He is one uh, salty bitch. But, yeah, I love that scene just because it's so dramatic. And it's so multifaceted, and you're like, which, as we'll find out, is not the only issue that these two have in their marriage. Um, They definitely took the gloves off in that one. I'm noticing that most of our scenes are from, like, season one, just because it was such an amazing season. But, um, yeah. It was dramatic. That, That was intense, because, first of all, as you said, it's like, you know, they're so excited about the giant right and that's their portable computer and they're like this is going to blow everything away right and then that guy his name was hunt the guy who's hang on 
sorry, had to burp a little. But who is Donna's uh, who is Donna's boss at TI was Hunt. And you're like, okay, I think Hunt like likes Donna, right? But then she kisses him and he doesn't reciprocate. So it's like, okay, then no, right? And you find out he was just like pretty much he knew that her husband was working on this thing at uh, Cardiff. And he, like him and the freaking neighbor who used to work with Gordon, who was super salty, they got together and made their own version, which, as you said, looked pretty much exactly like it. The only difference is the giant, it wasn't black. I think it was like this really dark blue. Um, yeah, and then, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was just agreeing. Yeah, but and then the TI um, one was like that, you know, eggshell white that every single piece of computer was back in the day. But um, <laughs> and, and Donna like attacked Hunt, so which I was like, oh shit! So she was like, you son of a bitch! Um, and you knew like the fucking gloves were coming off because all Joe and Cameron obviously wanted to talk about was like how did that happen, and then Gordon is just like. No, we need husband and wife time. Go away. And he's just like, and I love how, like, you know, Donna's sitting there trying to, like, concentrate on the fact that the giant was just copied off of, and Gordon's just like, did you sleep with him? And she's like, no, I kissed him, but it should have been an affair. And I was like, Donna, no. We have children together. I know. I was like, oh, my God. And, like, Gordon was just like, and, like, to me, it was like, you know, Gordon may have been a pushover at some point, but he went in. He was, like, yelling at her. He was like, you're a child. This is childish. And as you said, like, why don't you go downstairs and go get his room number? I'm sure he'd accommodate you. And I was like, oh, oh my God. No. Oh, no. I do love that Cameron and Joe are like their brains are all in espionage, you know, you know, all oh, business, you know, we, you know, I will find it out. We can sue, you know, basically like going through. And it's like, no, Donna, it was, uh, it was matters of the flesh. <laughs> I like how you uh, put that matters of the flesh. Um, yeah, very which, dramatic, right? Which was crazy, though. Like, that whole fight was crazy, and everything that, like, came after it. It's, like, insane, because it's, like, you sit there, and you're, like, oh, why did they... Because you know me. I loved Gordon and Donna together. I don't know if this is going to be on either of our lists, but it's, like, I hated that they wrote that drama in there, because I'm, like, they're so good together, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, they got over this. And then in freaking season two, Gordon goes off and fucking sleeps with another woman on Donna. And I'm like, God damn it, why do the writers do this? Like, my heart can't find a soap opera over freaking computers. That, that is really what it is. Halt and Catch Fire is like a soap opera that just happens to have computers being the driving factor throughout it. And I'm just like, God damn it. Wanted to like throw something at that point, but um, yeah, that fight was really intense. I was like, holy shit. Um, but you know how they recovered from that? I have no idea. I was like, this the uh, Gordon is Gordon is not happy, and Donna was not apologetic at all. <laughs> it was like, yeah, screw you. <laughs> she was basically like, 
yeah, I know you had an affair, but it's your fault. And then it's like, oh, shit. Yeah, Those are not like, the right words for that. She was like, you picked the giant over me. I'm like, the giant's a computer, Donna. Just saying. It's a computer. <laughs> Just because the computer would lead to porn does not make it the same. <laughs> I don't think that existed back then, Brittany. I don't think that. Well, I know. Don't... It's leading there. It's leading there. <laughs> You've got to be patient. The whole, like, show, because, you know, in season one, it was Gordon who was obviously working his ass off and Donna having to pick up the slack at home. And then in season two, it was Donna working her ass off and Gordon having to pick up the slack at home. And it was like, it's just like ping pong, you know? But, um, yeah, that was an intense scene. I love it, Brittany. It was so good. Oh, my God. It's like, it was like a pain to the chest, but at the same time, it was like, oh, drama. (laughs) I thought you were going to say it was a shot through the heart and you're too late. Oh my god, I'm not going to start singing, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> no one wants to hear a cat dying on uh, on air, but so let me uh, go to number five, and so, okay, so we've been picking some intense moments, right? Obviously, this is like top ten moments, not top ten happy moments. If we did a top ten happy moments, I think it would have to be like top ten three happy moments, because there's not oh, a lot yeah, of Oh yeah, definitely, moments. definitely. So my number five is a very, like, sad moment, but I felt like it needed to be highlighted on the list because it was very important. Um, So it is in season two when Gordon gets lost in a parking lot for seven hours. So I know. So um, in season two, Gordon finds out that he had – oh, God, I didn't even look up what it was because I wouldn't even be able to freaking pronounce it, but – uh, Gordon pretty much finds out that he has two areas in his brain that have suffered brain damage. And the doctor surmises that it's from Gordon, you know, pretty much back then working with asbestos, uh, working with all this toxic stuff. As, because Gordon's an engineer. Yeah, I mean, Gordon's an engineer. He's pretty much shoving his face into all this machinery all the time. And we've seen little things here and there that, as you pointed out, Brittany, when you're here, you have to look back on and wonder, was this early signs? Because we see Gordon at some point is working on a computer and he literally sees a flower in, like, you know, the mainframe. And or there's at some point where he's has a mental breakdown. He's literally digging a hole in his backyard. Like, remember that Donna's like, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm looking for the giant. And it's like, what? And so then, like, a few times in season two, Gordon is literally falling, um, and he's getting nosebleeds, which, you know, at first you think is because he does say that there was a brief period of time that he indulged in cocaine use to get, you know, uh, the giant pro out there. But you're like, oh, my God, are we wondering? Anyway, doctor tells him he has brain damage, his hands are a little weak, but Gordon is trying to pretty much uh, make it seem not as serious as much as possible. I forget if this is before or after he tells Donna. I think it's after, but he's like tries to diminish the severity of it to Donna, saying that he feels fine, everything's fine, nothing has changed, like I'm good, right? But well then, he literally, like, goes on this mission because he has this idea for custom-made computers 
he sees something a company that has a very similar idea. He th- first of all, he thinks that it's his friend Stan, and he literally breaks into his friend Stan's garage at some point. But when he goes to check out this new co- this other company, which ends up uh, having closed, he can't find his, his car in the parking lot. Which I guess back then, you know, for like a half hour would have been fine, considering I don't think they had clickers back then for their car. But he literally spent seven hours frantically going through this parking lot um, in search of his car, ends up falling, hurting his ankle. The police, not the police, the ambulance comes, and as he's being, like, shoved into the ambulance, he sees his freaking car. And he literally starts... (laughs) He literally sees his car. He's like, that's my car. That's my car. And he starts crying in the ambulance because I think he's realizing that like it's worse than he thought and I have to say really quick before I go over to you it reminds me that I rewatched the scene where he sleeps with that other woman and afterwards he tells her that he's sick and that he's worried he's like you know I you know am falling uh my hands are shaking a little what if one day I uh I wake up and I can't you know feel my legs what if I have to go into a home? What if I die? And it's like, I think this is all being like piled up onto Gordon. So, but the original choice for my number five is Gordon getting lost in the parking lot for seven hours. So Brittany, let's talk about this sadness here. I was going to say, out of all the scenes we watched, we never got to watch this one together. And oh, it's so sorry. depressing. No, it's okay. I, because I've heard you, you know, explain it to me, and it's just so freaking sad because, you know, he is going through it, and it's kind of like, when you know, when you see a hurt animal or like a bunny or a bird that has something wrong with its wing, and you just, and you want it to be okay, but you know it's not gonna be okay, and it just really pulls at your heartstrings. And it's kind of like how we feel about people with dementia or people with Alzheimer's, where it's like they just can't, you know, he has brain damage. He, you know, you think, oh, haha, can't find his car. But no, it's hella depressing. It's really sad. And to spend seven hours and you don't have cell phones, you can't call someone, you're just stuck there looking for it. And then he hurts himself. It's very, it pulls at your heartstrings. And it's like, you know, we did go back, you know, us going back and watching, I was like, man, when he reaches for that flower, you're kind of like, okay, is he just losing it? Or, you know, when he's digging the hole, you know, maybe he's just tired. And you're like, no, he's just hurt. You know, one thing I've noticed about that is normally those scenes happen after he's soldering a lot or if he's working on the computer because that was the thing is I think he was breathing in the fumes of like when he was soldering those you know, those metals together and it was lead and it's so toxic to a human it's like he just breathed all that in but yeah, Tia thanks, I'm depressed. I'm even more depressed (laughs) than the Joe thing (laughs) I really hate you Gordon needs to be wearing, like, a face mask during that. But, um, yeah, I mean, because you just think, like, you know, in season two, obviously he's very stressed trying to get this computer out, and you think that's why he's kind of losing it. But as you said, you have to wonder if it was all signs leading up towards the fact that he was going to be suffering 
some uh, from brain damage. And um, the first time he essentially falls is when he's working with Joe in season two on something, and he's, uh, you know, sliding those, you know, I don't know what this stuff is, but he's like, you know, sliding these cartridges pretty much into this big-ass computer or whatever, and Joe walks away, and Gordon, like, moves away from it and then literally just, like, collapses. And it's like, oh, what? You know, what happened to him, you know? And it's like, oh, my poor Gordon. I feel so bad. (laughs) I feel especially sad that he didn't feel comfortable enough to really tell anybody he had damage. You know, that's the thing is that he doesn't tell Donna right away. That woman that he sleeps with is the first woman that, uh, first person that he tells. And then he tells Donna. And like Donna's like reaction to it, she's just like, I can leave work. I can be here. And he's like, no, I wouldn't want you to do that. Like, and, and actually, it's kind of not funny, but Joe is the last person Gordon tells because he tells Donna, right? He waits till season three to tell Cameron. He only tells Cameron because he literally falls during a moment when the two of them are playing video games with each other. And obviously Cameron's like, what the hell? Um, and then he doesn't tell, and he doesn't tell Joe until like the end of season three because Joe's like, oh, let's work on this project, blah, blah. And Gordon's like, I'm sick. Like, I don't think that's a good idea. Which makes even worse the fact that Joe steals from him. It's like you well, literally stole from a guy with brain damage. Well, no, no, no. To be fair, Joe stole from him in season two. Joe doesn't find out about this until the end of season three. Oh, okay. So. It only makes it slightly better. Yeah, 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 exactly. I mean, he still stole from Gordon. But to be fair, Gordon still then goes back to be friends with freaking Joe. I mean, uh, <laughs> you're like Gordon. a battered woman. I don't know if this is going to be on our list at all. But when Gordon reveals to Donna that he had an affair is right after Donna reveals to him that uh, Donna and Cameron, like, purposely stuck this virus to fuck up Joe's, like, whole presentation at his, like, you know, fiancé or wife's uh, father's company. And And he's like, isn't that terrible what Cameron did? Isn't that so bad what Cameron did? And Donna's like, you know, Joe totally, like, screwed you over last year and suddenly now you're like on his side and he's like well Cameron Cameron and Donna's like yeah it was both of us and it's like oh (laughs) oh but yeah that that whole thing was intense oh my god we're gonna get off on a tangent now because we're talking about like every other scene but you want to talk about when Donna reveals that she kissed that guy that that was intense Gordon telling Donna that he had an affair that was intense because Donna literally looked like she was gut punched in that moment. Uh, and as you said, whether or not it comes up later on in this uh, podcast, but you know, she, she did something equally as bad behind his back. That would have been a perfect time for her, for her to, to tell him. Uh, yes. And she doesn't. So the thing that Brittany and I are talking about, because I don't think it's going to actually pop up separately on the list, is Donna ends up, before this, having an abortion. She ends up getting pregnant, um, and for whatever reason, whether she just wasn't wanting to have another child, I think if her and Gordon were having problems, if things were going wrong with the company that Donna and Cameron had, you know, woman's choice, so I don't want anyone 
uh, listening to this podcast thinking that that is what we are trying to promote. You got to toe the line here, Brittany. But um, she doesn't. She doesn't tell Gordon. She doesn't tell her husband. So in that scene where Gordon's like, "Oh, you've been keeping things from me, Donna," meaning the virus that Donna and Cameron worked on together. Um, you know, can't, uh, Donna was like, "Well, you've been keeping this one. You know, you kept your illness from me." Blah blah. blah. And she's like, "And in the spirit of." us not keeping things from each other anymore. And you're like, yes, yes, okay, tell him now about the abortion. But instead she's like, I want to know why you and your brother got into a fight so badly that our kids said that you had to get a hotel. And I'm just like, oh, I mean, again, Gordon should have come forward and been like, you know, and he does. He goes, he goes, I had an affair, Donna. But it's like that would have been the moment that Donna should have then turned around and said what she had to say so that everything could be on the table. And it wasn't. And it was And Donna never tells Gordon. And I'm like, God damn it. You're yeah. like, your friends, your relationship was so perfect, but so broken. Oh, I love them together. I, even with all their problems. I still love them. Oh, I still love them. <laughs> oh I, now I'm sad. I'm depressed. Good thing Toby's laying on my chest. I know. I was going to put on the list, but I think I have other things that I want to do, so I'm going to say it really quick before we move on, that one of my favorite things is, uh, as I call it, Donna and Gordon's last good day with each other. <laughs> when, oh. Right, right, when they're, like, just so happy, you know, in the home together after all of this, and then it's like, then something happens at the end of that episode where you, you as the audience realize that the two of them are just never going to be happy together ever again. And I'm like, I hate everyone and everything right now. But let's move on. Um, Brittany, what's your number four? My number four is going to be um, Donna realizing the giant is something. Which is, like, the short little description I have for it. Whenever Donna is, like, you know, he's, like, he brings home the giant disassembled after the whole issue with, was it the feds that came and, like, took everything? And he has it disassembled. He's putting it together in their garage. And Donna's, like, what are you doing? And he's, like, you know, Donna, you know, let me worry about this. You know, let me be, you know, let's be crazy together. And, you know, he's putting it together. And you think, oh, that's great. And then she calls her mother. And she's, like, can the kids come to stay? And you realize Donna's going to leave him because she can't go through this all over again. And you're like, oh, shit. And you're like, it's going to be bad, you know. And the mom's like, oh, have you talked to Gordon yet? And she's like, I don't want the kids to be here when I do. And then she goes there and she boots up the giant because she's just home alone. And you realize she's sitting there going, the giant really is something great. And, you know, it's not just the symphonic all over again. And then you think it goes from her leaving Gordon to I'm going to Comdex with you. And it's like, what? What? I thought it was such a good moment because it was so sincere that, you know, she is believing in Gordon again. That, you know, because she she does do a lot for Gordon. It's not one of those things where you're like, oh, she's just bitching the entire time. It's like, no, 
you know, she takes care of the kids. She has her own job. She has her own stresses. She's taking care of Gordon, but she doesn't really have anybody to lean on. And you go, okay, I can get it. You know, he's done this before. You really, you know, he's putting all of his hopes and dreams in this, but what happens if this crashes and doesn't work? And you're like, oh, it did. It's working great. And it was just such a good moment. And it happens right before the uh, he finds out about her kiss with her boss, which is only ironic that her boss's name is Hunt, which rhymes with something else. Yeah. <laughs> but I love this so much. I was writing notes because there's so much I want to talk about with this whole little thing. Because as you said, like Donna has done a lot for Gordon because he, you know, got really excited and he put everything into the symphonic and it failed. And her whole thing is like, yes, like you have all these great ideas, but we have a family now. We can't run the risk of anything's failing because this is literally our livelihood on the line and you know we have like several times like uh gordon you know when even gordon brings donna to cardiff right to help out with the bios being lost and he's like i've had kind of a day and she's like oh yeah well you know when's the last time you brushed your daughter's teeth or who which of your daughters is allergic to apricots she was like i make your life possible you know and but then we see like you know this whole like tug and pull because Gordon literally at some point tells, you know, Donna, like it's not enough. Like their whole like domestic life is not enough for him. And, you know, that one scene where he tells his kids that the symphonic was the best thing that he's ever done in his life. And it's like, dude, you're telling your two children that, right, you know? Right. You're like, Oh shit, Gordon, maybe, you know, you didn't realize Gordon is pretty selfish I know yeah. it's sad to say but he's pretty selfish absolutely yeah absolutely I mean and that's the thing it's like I feel like that's the thing in this show like not one character is really like that good I guess you would say except for John Bosworth he's amazing but um, he, he's the, he is a fresh cinnamon roll freshly baked that just came out <laughs> of the oven and is still warm and gooey uh, yes, that is a perfect way to describe it. But I love the whole sequence of events here. Gordon stealing the giant, which first of all is hilarious. Um, and, you know, at some point if we want to go on, you know, Gordon's like absolute like tone deafness when it comes to Donna is her like, you know, talking about the symphonic and him like smashing the symphonic. And he's like, this is crap. And it's like, Donna worked on the symphonic with him. So part of her also had to believe that the symphonic was something beautiful. And so to, for that to happen, you know, it, it's crazy. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, no. I was just saying that she still played that thing and he broke it. I know. Um, but I, I love Donna booting up the giant and realizing that, hey, like, they actually do have something here and I believe in this and I am going to be crazy with my husband. And instead of, you know, leaving him, I'm going to go to context with him. Um, and I also love within that scene because it's also Donna finding uh, the ring that Gordon had gotten for her. Because you remember Gordon has this whole thing that he tells Cameron that he originally had. Uh, Wait, sorry, that's on my list. 
Huh? Oh, okay. Then I'm not gonna say. It. It's, gonna uh, say it. No, it's okay. I wanted to go like really in depth in that one. I'm oh, sorry. that's perfect. No, then I will shut my mouth. Absolutely. <laughs> but um, I was gonna say uh, the sounds of Yonkers are behind me. So if you heard that, it is the a Sunday morning. <laughs> but I love it. I love Donna realizing that the giant is something absolutely special. And as you said, everything was great until it wasn't. <laughs> I, exactly. That's their whole relationship. Pretty much, pretty much. It's like I know that they kind of like advertised this show for like say Joe and Cameron to be like the main focal points. And I'm like, eh, you guys move aside. All about Gordon and Donna. <laughs> the OTP that never, like, worked. At least Aww. it did for a little while. In, in my mind and in my head, they lasted, all right? They lasted. At least they never existed, right? We can make up whatever we wanted. That's why fan That's- fiction exists. Exactly. I just pretend that they never divorced and everything was fine and they decided, or even if they divorced, they found out that they were being really stupid at some point and then decided to get back together. All right, we can have a little bit of drama. But a little little trauma for the kids. Yeah, why not? (laughs) They got that one actress that always plays a moody teen to come in. You know, she had her her 15 minutes of fame and that sounds really bad. I know, but I I really can't stand her. Anyway, um, oh my God, these freaking sirens! I can't. But um, all right, so I it's gonna keep going. Everyone, just deal with it. Uh, so <laughs> let's do number three. I'm gonna take a break from Gordon and Donna and Joe and Cameron to talk about the real MVP of this show. Mr. John Bosworth, and it oh, is, man. <laughs> and it is John Bosworth getting arrested in season one. And this is why it's oh, so perfect. My heart. This is why it's so perfect because when Joe first comes into Cardiff, uh, Bosworth has been the manager and the boss there for like 22, 23 years, right? And he is pretty much done with Joe's shit because Joe comes in acts like he just wants to work there, he's just a salesman, obviously quickly gets everyone roped into this whole let's copy IBM, which obviously then gets them in trouble with IBM because then Joe, the dumbass, actually tells IBM, so they're in all this legal trouble. They end up losing like pretty much 80% of their clients because of this whole like corporate espionage. Um, they have to let go of like 40-something workers and Bosworth is like I have worked here for all this time and I've never seen a shit show as big as this effing shit show and you did this please put that one ladies guy yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah. screws up an opportunity for them to get more money because Joe just has to screw this like old rich southern ladies like boy toy and Bosworth is like if I could fire you I would but due to legal issues I can't so Bosworth goes from absolutely hating uh, Joe to suddenly, like, overly believing in what the three of these people are doing and wanting to keep it going, regardless of the fact that they are hemorrhaging money. And I do think a huge part of it is the fact that Bosworth and Cameron end up having this very much, like, father, you know, and daughter relationship. So not only does Bosworth 
ends up convincing Cameron to help hack into a bank to get money, but Bosworth takes 100% of the fall. Um, and I love the scene because it's like Bosworth goes into Cardiff and the actual owner of the company, Nathan, is there. And you find, and it's like this standoff. And then the feds come in. And Bosworth is just telling Cameron, like, whatever you do, make sure you keep doing this. Like, it's a thing of beauty. Don't give up. And he just, like, just takes being arrested, you know, like, so like well and he just gets carted off because he's willing to take the fall so that everyone else could continue on which is by the way why Gordon and Cameron have to work on you know getting to convex on their own because Bosworth ends up getting arrested the company ends up getting pretty much temporarily shut down um but it's so good like I love this scene where John is out on bail and Cameron's like what do you mean you're going to take the fall? Like, you don't even know anything about coding. And Bosworth just comes out with this whole, like, explanation. And he's just, because it's like he's obviously, like, learned up on what to say to make it seem like he was the one that was solely responsible. And I just love this so much. Like, Bosworth going from someone who absolutely wanted to, like, bitch smack uh, Joe to being the person who literally goes to jail for, like, two years because of this whole project. So, yep, that's my number three. And I'm going to take a break from talking right now because I know that you love John Bosler. So tell me what you feel about this. I love the boss, but uh, no, boss, man. Sorry, I'm going to talk about the boss slash boss joke. But, no, it's so depressing because he ends up losing, like he loses his wife. He Mm -hmm. loses seeing two years of his son growing up and having to worry about his son hating him. And he does this all for Cameron and the group so that they can make their dreams happen. And it's so depressing because he just, but it is kind of funny too, but that scene with uh, Nathan's the boss, right? The the guy that owns the company. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love whenever he's sitting there and you can tell, John is just like, oh shit, something's wrong. Something's really wrong. But he he goes for like the liquor, and Nathan's like, oh, it's a little early, don't you think? And he's just like gulping it down. And when Cameron comes in, and she gets all excited, and he's like, what are you doing in here? You know, get the hell out. You know, who do you think you are, basically? And Cameron looks so hurt. And then when he walks in later, because he knows it's about to happen, he knows the shitstorm's about to hit. And then just them watching him basically be taken away is really depressing. The whole thing is good, though, because Bosworth is such a good man. What a man, what a man. Sorry, I'm not going to sing it. But that's how I feel about John Bosworth. He is. He is the uh, he's the uh, the big man on campus. He made uh, you think about it. From that point on, this whole show could have gone in a very different direction if Cameron it had been arrested. You know, mutiny wouldn't have existed. So it's kind of like they wouldn't have later on gone to do what all they did. So I think John was great. He's the best. No, I absolutely love like John's sacrifice. Um, for all of this because as you said like he ends up losing like valuable time with he loses his house he loses his wife he loses you know quality time with his son because and it's just like you know 
John didn't need to do that. He could have let everything else take the fall, you know, like let them run out of money pretty much, whatever. But he doesn't because he, like, so believes in what the hell they're doing. And that's just, like, there's this uh, meme or gif or whatever of this woman, and she's like, you know what that is? Gross. And it's like, yes, that is exactly what it is. It was gross in this situation. Because John's just like, he's the best. Like, I, when I first, like, saw him, like, oh, I'm not going to like this guy. He's, like, one of those typical, like, uh, you know, uh, southern businessmen who is so small-minded and he can't believe in um, anything, you know, that is innovative or anything like that. But then he just, he believes in them. And we see that for being someone who's such a, a old man, he ends up going off to work for Mutiny, a gaming company with Cameron. And he's just amazing. I love that man. Like, I don't know if I showed you the scene, Brittany, but there's a scene where um, after Bosworth gets out of jail, he goes to Mutiny, and he's acting as if he's, like, all crippled. He has, like, a cane. He, like, sits down. He, like, sits down all slow, and everyone's, like, looking at him. He's like, oh, my first week in jail, you know, it broke my ankles, you know, in this prison riot, and blah, blah, blah. And, and everyone's like, oh, my God. And then he just gets up and, like, throws the cane. He's like, you got to sell for that. <laughs> oh, my God. He is the worst. Or, like, uh whenever he's playing the games with the kids because he's like, I need you in my office. And he's like, and they're like, who? And he's like, I love you. I don't care. And then he has his hands on his hip. He's like, how the hell do you get out of here? I love that because you thought he was going to be all mad because, you know, all the gamers were there late at night. You know, they weren't working. They were just playing games. And this is that card if it wasn't mutiny. So he's like, all of you, come to my office now. And it's like, oh, God, they're going to get in trouble. And he's playing the game with them. Like, he's so good. I don't think this is going to be on our list, um, so I just kind of wanted to honorably mention it. But I love the scene when Bosworth is um, sitting in the car with his son because his son's at his rehearsal dinner, and his ex-wife had specifically asked him not to go because he's a quote-unquote ex-con. And he Aww. reads and he reads the speech to his son that he would have said out loud to the wedding, pretty much like, Aww. you know, I, I was on sales calls for every, like, pivotal moment in your life, um, and I'm sorry. You know, just so emotional. I'm like, God damn it, Bosworth. He's too pure for this world. We don't deserve him. We really don't. I don't think anyone on that show deserves him either. <laughs> No, I know, especially not Joe. Fuck Joe. But don't especially fuck Joe. Joe. <laughs> That's the hilarious thing is, like, you think, like, oh, Lee Pace, you know, as Joe, he's going to be, you know, the heartthrob and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, he's a dick. But you said to me that doesn't he usually play a fucking asshole in, like, every Yes, he in? plays the elf king. And the elf king's a dick. Well, I've never watched any Lord of the Rings or Hobbit movie, so I could not tell you. But I'll take your word for it. You don't want to watch three movies of walking? And then we just lost, like, half of the people that listen. I know. 
uh, uh, we'll really lose them when every single time I think of those movies, all I think about is the scene in Clerks 2 when Randall actually, you know, walked out the whole entire plot to every single Lord of the Rings movie. One ring to rule them all. (laughs) But, um, yeah, I just love John Bosworth. He is, like, the best character in this freaking show. I just, like, oh, I love him. I really do. I love his, like, Fit accent. <laughs> I know. Look at you, the New Yorker, assuming that the Texas man is nothing but a like a uh, a jerk. Hmm. No, I'm saying because when they first present him in the show, I showed you the first episode. He's yep. all like old school and everything, and it's like, nope, he believes in these youngins, and I'm like, love you, precious cinnamon roll. Precious warm cinnamon roll, fresh baked, not like fresh Gordon. Baked. Not like Gordon, definitely not like Gordon. But um, all right, Brittany, we are we are getting down to the bottom too. I'm so sad. We have to have our honorable mentions because again, I can never shut up about this show. It seriously was underrated, and that's coming from someone as me who never heard of the show up until like what the past like two months. So. If that goes to show you, I was like deep diving into this series, and it's sad that it um it ended after four seasons, but they were in the way it did. Yeah, you know that's the thing is that I think about it. I'm like, would I even want it to come back? And I guess spoiler alert for anyone who's listening, which we did plenty of spoilers, but in season four towards the end, um, Gordon's disease actually uh takes him from everyone. And I don't know if I'd want to see the show without Gordon. I, I think he's Gordon like, was the best. He was like the he was the man. Yeah, and the fact that like him and Donna never got back together, which they clearly want to. Like I watched some scenes and like they went out to dinner all the time. They even thought about the idea of casually sleeping with each other. And I'm like, the two of these people love each other. Can they stop being like stubborn as shit? But um, let's move on from that. Brittany, we didn't talk about this because you said that you wanted to talk about it. So yes. what is your, what's your number two? The Dakota Ring, both scenes yeah. of it. I, I'm double dipping here. We're going <laughs> to initially go because you have, you know, I will go with the story of the ring first. So mm-hmm. Gordon's telling Cameron about how, he spent money he didn't have that when he propo- was going to propose to Donna, you know, that, you know, when they were dating, they d- did encrypted messages that the only way they could be solved was like, was like, uh, basically, uh, I'm trying to think of the word, basically a decoder to figure out what it said. And so he had this jeweler, which like, who has like someone actually make a piece of unique jewelry these days that had to like cost out the nose of definitely money he didn't have. And he said that, you know, he made this like wedding ring as a decoder ring so that, you know, she could always decode those messages. And Cameron's like, Oh, you dorks. Like she, you know, it's bad when Cameron's calling you a dork or a, or a, uh, or a geek or something. And so, you know, he's going on about it, but he talks about how he was going 
he really wanted this computer kit, but he couldn't get it because it was so expensive. And he says about how at, on Christmas Day, he's looking around desperately for the ring. He can't find it. And Donna's like, oh, open your gift. Open your gift. And he's, like, freaking out because he's like, I can't think about the gift. My freaking ring. And he opens it up, and it's that computer kit because you find out that Donna found the ring, and she pawned it and got the money to uh, buy that kit for him and said, when you sell your first computer, then you can get me a ring. And so you realize she hasn't really had, like, a ring. I think when I looked back at their hands, I think they both have just, like, a simple gold band on their left hand. Like, nothing real, like, extravagant, just something small. And you find out, you know, he says, you know, I had it made. And Cameron's like, what? And he's like, you know, I know that the computer's going to sell. So I went back to the exact same jeweler and had an identical one made, you know, for her. And then on the other end, you find out that, uh, and I think that's where, uh, is that also where she was about to leave him? And she had booted up the giant, or, like, she opened up something. I can't remember. But she op- you see on the other end, Donna opens a drawer, and she finds the ring, just like the original. And she just, like, covers her mouth because she's so taken with, like, joy. But also that, like, melancholy where it's like, oh, he remembered after all these years. And, you know, he really wa- you know, he's really going to do it. And it's just, like, it gets me. Every time I'm like getting <laughs> weepy just thinking about it. I'm a sucker. I, you know, Tia knows I'm a hopeless romantic. No, yeah, Donna is uh, actually she's going to go to try to repair the symphonic, and she opens up the drawer to get a tool out, and she sees the ring. And I'm trying to remember: did she see the ring and then go boot up the giant, or? Because it was after he broke the symphonic. I forget the exact sequence of events. I'd have to go and rewatch it. But um, it's essentially like all of it together, you know, like booting up the giant, like seeing how great the giant is, and then also seeing that Gordon remembered after. Because if you think about it, he says that he is, he was 23. And um, at the start of the show, I think he's around like 35 or maybe just a few smidgen years older, right? That's like over 10 years that she hasn't had a ring and he's remembered the whole thing. But I want you to talk about the second part because you said you were double dipping, so I want to hear the second part of it. Oh, well, I was double dipping in the fact that you have him talking to Cameron, but also her finding it. But if we're going on that point, I like when he cleans shaves and then gives her the ring. And then they, they do, they, like, encrypted speak that, like, I love you, but it's like, I glop you. And it's like, I glop you. Oh, my God. The nerds. The nerds. Nerds. Geeks weirdos I love it I love all of it I loved it so much because when he's telling Cameron this like really sappy effing story of the fact that he you know of of the whole thing with the Dakota ring and then you realize you know she's like oh get it to me when you sell your first 
you know, computer, and it's like it's been so long, you know, and this is finally the time that his first computer is going to be sold. And he decides that, like, and I just love the story of it. It's very, um, what's that old story where, like, the woman sold her hair to get her guy a pocket, you know, a thing for his pocket watch, but he sold his watch to get her, like, a barrette that she wanted or something. Like, very much like that, where she, like, you know, took the ring and pawned it so that she could get him his computer kit because to her it was more important for him to have this computer kit than for her to have this special ring. But he gets through the ring anyway, and I'm like, oh, my God, it's And so then they beautiful. didn't end up working. Oh. <laughs> it's such bullshit. I'm they honestly so people. mad. It's so funny because I have the show playing in the background, but obviously on mute, and it's when Gordon sleeps with that other woman, and I'm like, Gordon, you have a goddess at home. Yeah. <laughs> Which, by the way, it's like, he clean shaves and gives Donna the ring, and that's all after the reveal that she kissed that guy Hunt. But it's because then they show that they've literally not spoken to each other in a week, and Gordon's been sleeping on the couch, and and Donna just, like, walks up so grumpily and, like, pretty much rips the blanket out of his hand, and she's like, enough. You're sleeping in bed with me tonight, now. And he's like, I'm still very mad at you. And she's like, can we go to bed now? I'm <laughs> like, trying not to laugh. I mean, he still like, has to make a point of, like, stomping on the ottoman as he, like, gets up. And I'm like, you're so childish, Gordon. I know. But I just love him proposing to her again, pretty much, with the ring. And they have their stupid little decoder, like, stuff going on. And it's so adorable. And I'm just like, oh. Oh, you know what? Only the first two seasons existed. I'm making it a thing. Only the first two seasons existed. We we <laughs> pretend that the others don't exist. That never happened. Gordon never died. They never broke up. They never like uh we pretend Joe got better. Joe never stole from Gordon. Oh yeah, because Gord I mean Joe Oh god, that's another thing. Like, freaking Joe stealing from Gordon after that whole thing. But, you know, I realized that Joe is also very childish because Joe only steals from Gordon after he tries to get Gordon to come in on it. But at this point, Gordon and Donna have made the decision to move to California to essentially, like, not only build mutiny, but essentially repair their relationship. So Joe pretty much is like, well... If you're not going to willingly come with me on this project, I'm just going to steal your project and make, like, a what billion a dollars. I know. Ugh. Ugh. I know but, Joe's um, probably sitting there going, well, you got that check from Cardiff, and I didn't. Yeah, so. but, but that check was for, like, $800,000. 800, oh, no, I'm not right? saying it's right. I'm just saying Joe is a no, dick, uh, and that's probably his thought process. But then you think about it, that Gordon ends up not really having that money because Donna does essentially end up, like, blackmailing Gordon after the reveal of the affair. She's like, if we're going to work this out, we need you and your money to buy this, like, huge server pretty much that's in California. And I'm pretty sure because the whole entire company moved there, I doubt that Mutiny had the money to move all of their 
coders. I'm sure that that all came out of Gordon's pocket. So Gordon, Gordon, Gordon. Any money. I know. Don't do the time oh. if you can't do the time. Right, right. I bet you you're regretting sleeping with that woman now. But um, yeah, I love it. I love the decoder ring. That's just so beautiful between them. Um, we have come down to the last uh, choice, which looking back, I feel like it's not as big as that, but it still makes me happy because it's such a an epic scene. But before we get to the number one on our top ten moments from Halt and Catch Fire, let's go through the list of all our amazing scenes. So we have Joe uh, taking Gordon's spot, uh, Cameron asking Joe if he is going to be bored of her, uh, the journalist coming into Cardiff and witnessing the BIOS crash. Uh, blah, blah. Joe not telling Gordon that he's going to contact. Uh, Gordon finding out about Donna kissing Hunt. Gordon getting lost in the parking lot for seven hours. Donna realizing that the giant is actually something special. John Bosworth getting arrested. Uh, the decoder ring. And the final, and again, this is such a small scene, but I, I like the stuff that kind of surrounds it, so bear with me, all right, Brittany? But I got you, Thank you, thank you. We are going to do when Gordon pretty much tells Joe that, no, Joe, you did not repair the deal with the Japanese businessmen. My father-in-law oh. did. So, oh, so here's the background of it. Um, they're work the season one. They're working on the giant. They're trying to make it better. They find out that they need to have a special screen with, and that this uh, Japanese company. I'm sorry. LCD. They were wanting the LCD screen. Right. Um, and it's from a Japanese company. And Gordon's father-in-law, which you find out that Donna's parents are quite wealthy. Um, and that Gordon's father-in-law has really good relations with uh, with this company. So pretty much, um, whatchamacallit, it? so pretty much uh, they get, Gordon gets his father-in-law to get a meeting with them. Um, and, you know, they go to the meeting, Joe and Gordon, and Gordon gets drunk because as we find out, Gordon has a little bit of an alcohol problem. And he tries to no, never. Up. <laughs> he tries to keep up with the Japanese businessmen. He ends up getting drunk. And then in the bathroom, which very awkward, Gordon reads the room. But he ends up going into the bathroom with one of them and ends up talking a lot of shit about his father-in-law, which is a huge no-no. And even though Joe has a very much less than ideal relationship with his own father, he tells Gordon, you never do that to the Japanese businessmen, and it looks like the uh, deal is pretty much dead. But Gordon, quickly realizing what he did, goes that night to his father-in-law um, to pretty much beg for help. But, uh, but Joe thinks that he saved the day because then the next morning he meets the Japanese businessmen at their hotel, lies and says this big shit about how much he respects his father, yada, yada. Yada yada, and he thinks he saved the day. So Gordon is in at Cardiff in the room with the other hardware guys. Joe comes in. He looks like he's about to start bragging over the fact that he saved the deal. Gordon fucked up. Blah blah. blah. 
And Gordon is just like, listen, dude, no, you didn't do shit. That night, I went to my father-in-law. I pretty much got on my knees and begged, admitted what I did, and begged him to help out. And he did. So the deal was already set before you even saw those men in the morning. So do you want so he's like pretty much like, Do you want my father in law's number so that you can call him up and fucking thank him? Because stop patting yourself on the back. And what I loved about this is pretty much Gordon's like ability, I guess, to see that he fucked up and how he went to his father in law, but also the fact that Joe just needs to take any moment to kind of like show that he's superior and Gordon just like just because I'm like smaller than you I got glasses I'm you know probably nerdier than you doesn't mean that you're better than me just because you're some big shop from New York who worked at IBM for 10 years doesn't mean that you get to be like this so fuck off you know you're not better than me and I just love the scene just because I loved everything that led up to it so it may not be the best as the number one but I love it. So, Brittany, tell me what you think about this. <laughs> Joe gives me, like, the heebie-jeebies because he reminds me of someone I know. And that needing, like, to pat himself on the back type moment, I'm like, I think we all know somebody like this that wants to take any moment to, like, congratulate themselves. And I think what gets me about this scene is that he comes in and then he wants to, like, put Gordon down in front of his peers like oh yeah you should have seen Gordon he that was his first mistake thinking he could out drink the Japanese you know blah 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 and that's when Gordon snaps and he's like you didn't do anything you know it was already fixed and he because he comes in Joe comes in like aren't you going to say thank you and that's why Gordon's like oh you want to have my my uh, father-in-law's number so you can thank him you know, because it's like, oh, you expected all of this for, you know, helping, so why don't you go do the same? Oh, it's different when it's not you, because, you know, he's so full of himself. But the scene, you know, you do have to give Gordon his props, because it does, it takes a lot to be able to admit your faults and go there, because it meant more than his pride and more than anything to just make sure that this worked for, you know, everybody that the company worked. So I thought that, you know, that was very telling. But, God, Joe makes me want to punch him in the nose. <laughs> He's literally the worst. But well, he's so I'm, cocky. I mean, Gordon literally had to go to his father-in-law because, obviously, they never showed it, but I would imagine that his father-in-law goes, well, how did you screw up the meeting? So he obviously has to say, like, hey, I talked mad shit about you. To these guys and I got drunk and I made a fool out of myself can you please help I mean that takes a lot like he was already like trepidatious about Donna's father not because you know the few times they show him he's not a dick but it's clear that the father shelled out a lot of money to Gordon for the symphonic and lost out on that so it's like Gordon knows that already like Donna's parents kind of think of him as a failure because pretty much Donna's parents say like, oh, well, you know, we love Gordon because you love Gordon, but we could admit that he's not made the best decision. 
and you can even tell the father's a good man. You know, the, they're never like any which way towards Gordon, and he wants to go golfing with Gordon. You know, yeah, like he, he wants to have a good like, time with him. He's like, oh, come golfing with me, and it's like, okay, well, if he really dislikes Gordon, he wouldn't have asked. I know, and that's even where he's like, you know, oh, I was a fool basically for thinking you would just want to come golfing with me for my birthday, you know, because he was asking him stuff, and you're like, oh, you know, they do care, and you think, I still love that scene, John will never owe us anything, but you owe us, like, what was it, like, $20,000? <laughs> When the mother is like, oh, I thought that since now you have all that money that you were going to, you know, pay us back. And he's like, oh, well, what do uh, what do we owe you? And the mom like, Donna will never owe us a penny. But you. And you. I love that Gordon's like, all right, well, okay. And then just gets his checkbook out because he knows, like, come on, dude, you got to pay him back. <laughs> God, like, could you imagine to have the money to just write a check for 20000 and not even really blink an eye over it? Don't even bring that up. I don't even I want to think about money. Loans, but I would be <laughs> like, here's my money. Don't ever talk to me or my son again. That would pay. You know what? We're not going to get it on, that, on air right now. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> not, I love that scene. I love it. I just love this show. Like, to me, I want to, like, constantly live within this world because it's just so good. Um, And I I love it. Like, looking back at all of the old technology and how things were done back then. And, you know, they had to do all, like, the gaming uh, over phone lines and shit like that. I read that uh, in preparation for the show, they had to pretty much go on eBay and get a shit ton of like old computers and then, you know, try to kind of recreate some, but there wasn't, you know, like parts or anything like that, but that they actually got some of the computers to work and then others were obviously done like in post That sounds like a whole lot of effort. They put a shit ton of effort into this show to make it like really accurate for the times, um, which by the way, now that we're done with the top ten, I wanted to say a really quick, uh, you know, honorable mention, which we, of course, can go through those. But I love, first of all, like, at Comdex, Joe walking in on the Apple uh, demonstration, and they're all, like, sitting here, sitting there, and the thing's like, hello, I'm Macintosh, or something like that. And Joe's like, and it had like the old like you know welcome you've got mail type of voice to it and I was like oh no oh no dialogue it was so dramatic with all the candles lit around it like because you had freaking uh, Steve Jobs making it like this big like spectacle well we do know that Steve Jobs uh literally thought himself as God. And then we lose a shit ton of listeners right there. Oh, he had Wozniak. Was it Wozniak, I think? Who was like, it was yeah, very important show. Wozniak really was the one who came up with shit. Joe just was, uh, not Joe, wow. See, I'm even confusing the two of them. Yeah, yeah. Steve Jobs was like the face. Because it's so funny. The marketing. 
at the end of season three and in season four, Joe is very much like becoming like Steve Jobs. He's wearing a a turtleneck sweater. He's wearing glasses, and I was like, did Joe become Steve Jobs or something? <laughs> yeah, right. I'm like, like, I'm like, did, uh, did do we need to talk about this? Do we just turn into a biopic of Steve Jobs? There were enough of those. Michael Fox under did one. Ashton Kutcher did one. Enough uh, Steve Jobs. If anything, we need to get a Wozniak biopic because that man is the real MVP. But anyway, again, half half our listeners gone now. They're like, I, I want say- I want to spend over a thousand dollars on a new phone. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> and what gets me is like it is ironic because remember the uh, G4 show. Uh, I'm sorry, Brittany, you're going. You're uh, talking small now. Just want to make oh, sure the viewers, the listeners, can hear you. Yeah. I say, remember Code Monkeys, and they had yes, Waz the Waz, yeah. <laughs> and They like, called him the Waz. <laughs> and wasn't it the first episode was he was going off the computers, and they're like, oh, computers. That's never going to go anywhere. <laughs> All right, right. <laughs> I love that shit. Brittany, uh, while we have a little bit of time, did you have any honorable mentions that you never got to shoot out into the actual list? Um, I'm trying to sit there and think if there was, like, an exact one. Cause we did, like, because we kind of talked about scenes within scenes. So I loved all of that. I'm trying to sit just didn't think. Let me think about. Oh, the Cameron speaking with uh, Joe's dad. Oh, that and was how, a good one. Oh yeah, like just uh, if you say anything with an F authority, you know anyone you will get what you want. Like, and it's like, oh, says the man who uh, you know taught Joe everything, and now you're mad at Joe for being the way he is. Okay. Pretty much. I mean, that whole thing is Joe. Uh, You say anything with the right authority, you generally get what you want. I'm like, that's Joe. So it's like, you can't be mad. Your son pretty much just took after you. Um, Right. I I love that. That was intense. I would have loved to see the father come back, if anything, uh, because their interactions were crazy. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say my second one was also, you know, Joe always lied about how he got those scars on his chest. And you mm. keep wondering, you're like, and he comes up with a different story every time. And Cameron's like, you know, I don't know why you do that. And then when he finally opens up and he's like, my mom used to take me up on the roof to look at the stars. But, you know, she also had issues and she dropped me. Like, what? how many stories? And he landed right on a fence. Yeah, like four stories or something. He spent like two years in a hospital, he said, um, which is why you find out like the father had her like put away and Joe thought that she was dead and then in reality she wasn't. And the father's like, I did it to protect you. And it's like, oh, God, like so much drama. So much drama, drama, mama. Um, I was going to say really quick again because it's like playing in the background. I love when Gordon finally tells Donna that he has brain damage and they like hold each other and they're kissing and he clearly wants to do more and she's like can we just hold each other and it's like god damn Gordon like stop thinking with your dick <laughs> I, Gordon like 
like they have a very healthy sexual relationship. They do, they do. Um, I, a few of my like honorable mentions. Uh, I love Gordon and Cameron pretty much telling Joe that they needed him for his money to get the comdex, and him like, I don't have any money. This is all I have. Um, and they're like, well, sell your Porsche then. And he's like, I really like the Porsche, uh, which is just so funny. Like, I love them breaking into his home and Gordon thinking that Joe left because he's like, oh, I packed everything away. And Cameron's like, no, this is just how he lives. <laughs> um, it was just so good. Don uh, Bosworth's speech to his son was great. Uh, a little... Gordon and Donna, uh, when Gordon was comforting Donna when she's in the tub because she's all stressed out because Cameron wants to cut a uh, community. Um, Gordon breaking into Sam's place. And any, oh, anytime Joe, if there's one good thing that Joe did in this show was that anytime there was someone who was homophobic, he's punched him in the face. <laughs> <laughs> And that's the wild thing about Joe is, like, you would think he would be, like, a lady fan, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's, like, no, he likes what he likes. And he has, yeah, like, he, no qualms with it. He has no qualms. He's not there trying to hide or anything like that. Uh, it's very, like, straight shooter. Like, Cameron, you know, when she's, like, oh, did you sleep with Simon? He's, like, does that bother you? And she's, like, I don't give a shit that Simon's a man. And then we obviously see Joe sleep with uh, that one guy who, again, was the uh, the, the boy, boy toy, toy for that the boy toy for that rich uh, rich lady. But he doesn't care because there's been like there's like twice or something where Joe and like someone else say are going to do a deal, and it looks like it's going. But then the guy says like something really homophobic, and Joe punches them in the face. And I'm like, you know what? Joe, one... you can't just punch everybody in the face. That's illegal. We can punch homophobic people in the face. I'm okay with it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, but uh, I don't want to go to jail for it. We got to do it on the down low with like a mask on or something. <laughs> but I just love all that shit. So, um, I don't know. I love Gordon. Oh, my gosh. I get so sad, like, thinking about him and his little deteriorating mind. I'm like, no! No! <laughs> I know. I still, again, refuse to watch, uh, not refuse, I watch little clips here and there of season four, but, you know, to me, uh, Donna and Gordon were hashtag uh, end goals. End game? End goals? <laughs> relationship goals? End whatever game. the hell it is. Oh, oh, Thanos did nothing wrong. <laughs> oh my gosh stop I can't with you but yeah I guess that is our top 10 unless uh Brittany you have anything else you want to say about uh Hulk and Catch Fire for everyone besides the fact that it really was good and for someone that's like yeah I want to go into computer science you watch that shit and you're like man that's a little stressful what am I getting myself into it's very dramatic no it's so funny because you know, watching this, I'm like, oh, this is so cool. Like, you know, because I feel like back in, like, the 80s, I mean, that's when they were just first, like, you know, really, really discovering, like, everything. And it's, like, everything felt, like, so fresh. Like, you were on the tip of uh, discovery. 
and it's like, wow, this is so cool. You know, maybe I want to learn about, say, computers and coding. And then I wrote that freaking ebook on yeah, coding. I, I was like, never mind. Never That's mind. why you should go into IT. You don't have to do all that programming and coding. Oh, gosh. Well, and, and so really quick, that's what I kind of, like, love about this series in it because it's, like, you have Gordon and his hardware guys, right? And, like, they're all, like, into a series. Then you have, like, Cameron, who's a coder. And it's, like, the, the, the way that the two factions butt heads. Like, you need both this computer but both of them like argue with each other like you know the hardware guys think that Cameron and the coders are just like uh, dreamers and the coders think that the hardware guys are just like uncreative like stuck in the past and everything and it's just like because there's that one scene where you know Gordon's like have you ever even touched a piece of hardware do you even know what like goes into say like the meat of it you know and she's just and then that one oh Wait, we didn't we didn't even get on the list of one of my favorite scenes. I hate that we actually went through it. All right, you, you ready for this, Brittany? I feel like I know what it is. Do it, girl. You know what it is, but it's Gordon trying to like figure out coding to prove that he's not just a hardware guy in the second season, and he creates this code called Sonaris, and he did it because he wanted to help Donna with mutiny to help track their users, but he implements it, and it pretty much fucks everything up. But oh, Donna, and, Donna and Gordon aren't there during this. They're actually at Joe and his fiance's place, while Cameron and the other coders at Mutiny are absolutely freaking out. And so finally Donna and Gordon go over there, and freaking, they're getting into an argument because it's revealed that it was this code called Sonaris, and Gordon realize, and Gordon reveals that it was him. He did it because he wanted to help. Something went bad with it. Cameron's like, "Oh, you know, uh, how could you do this, Don? How couldn't you know? You know, why didn't you know this is your husband? Blah blah blah." And Gordon's like, well, can't you just do this? And the coders are like, oh, you know, it was original work that we can't recover. And Cameron's like, Gordon wouldn't know about original work, you know, blah, blah, blah. And Gordon just lays it on fucking Cameron. He's like, you know, who, let's talk about Donna. Like, she pays your water bill. She pays your electricity bill behind your back. Like, if it wasn't for her you would already be condemned. She, and he's like, you you know, little girl genius. He's like, this isn't a company. This is like Nightmare on Nerd Street. I <laughs> <laughs> love when he's like, you know, it's my money. Right, right. And I'm just like, I love this shit so much, which is so funny because in season three, like Gordon and Cameron end up really developing like a friendship to the point where like they confide in each other when Cameron is starting to, like, date this guy Tom again, she tells Gordon about it. Like, you know, they they really have grown since, like, the first season, considering the two of them, like, butted heads, like, nobody's business. Like, they could not stand each other. You know what scene I thought you were going to say? What, Tommy? <laughs> the one where... uh Gordon basically talks to uh, 
the guy's like, oh, you know, she only got this far because she's sleeping with the boss. Oh, and then Cameron yeah. comes out. Because she's so pissed off about it. She comes in the middle of the freaking uh, place and just kisses him. And she's like, you were great last night. And I tell you, like, no, no, you know, you know my wife. Donna, you better. I love that scene so much. He's like, you know, I, I'm not sleeping with the boss. And she gets mad and she kisses him. And he's just all, like, flustered over it. And I'm like, God damn it. Like, shit. Oh my god, I love this series so much. Like, uh, oh, oh, what do we say, Brittany? Oh, stability. <laughs> oh, stability. I can't. But who yeah. are justified? Stabbed. Oh, would you say this is justified? <laughs> oh my god, we should, have a, we should have a justified top ten one time. Wouldn't that be I know that is very true. Very true. Maybe at some point. Brittany and I were uh, trying to figure out what to do this uh, week. It was between Halt and Catch Fire or Godless. Um, We decided to go with Halt and Catch Fire. But if you guys want to actually listen to a top ten Godless, then let us know. But um, as far as today, this is our top ten moments from Halt and Catch Fire. Again, it was an AMC series. It lasted four seasons. And you can find it on Netflix, which I really suggest listening, even if you've not watched the series. And obviously, we had a shit ton of spoilers in it. But regardless of that, I think that you should still check it out because it's a fabulous show. Um, But while we got a few minutes left, Brittany, tell us what's going on. I know that you actually have some really exciting news. So why don't you tell the listeners? I feel like it's been so long coming because I've wanted to do it for so long, but I am going to be streaming on Twitch. I bought a gaming PC. I pick it up on Monday, even though I set up my stream and all that good stuff. I'm going to be, well, I bought Outlast to uh, play that terrifying game. I got about 20 minutes into it last night, and I jumped so fast that I was like, you know what? I'm done for the night. I'm okay. So we have that going on. You can find me on Twitch at Itty Bitty Brit, which always makes me laugh a little bit. You can also find me on Twitter at Brittany underscore Hegel. And I was going to say, maybe sometime we should have Geek 5 Nation do a poll of what they think, uh, what the listeners would like to listen to sometime and they can vote on it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that would be a really good idea. Um so, again, guys, we had a ton of content from New York Comic Con, which was absolutely amazing. We loved it. Brittany and I talked about our last podcast, but still, keep an eye on that. And there's so much going on. Uh, I need to take a moment to announce that production on Season 3 of American Gods has started, and Brittany and I did a podcast for both the Seasons 1 and 2. We love this show, so... If you love that show as well, please make sure that you follow us on Twitter to see all of the news that I will be specifically covering. Um, you can find us at Geek Bit. Geek, wow, can't even talk this morning. Geek GeekVibesNation.com. Geek you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Geek Vibes Nation, Instagram. Make sure you check it all out. And me personally, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram, Tia Baby. Make sure you follow me so that we can talk more about stuff like Halt and Catch Fire, American Gods, and everything and anything in between. Um, 
I, I was going to say, Brittany, I got, like, discouraged this morning because this uh, Google alert popped up, and it was like, oh, season two of Narcos Mexico, date revealed. And I was like, great. But guess what? It was just a little bit of clickbait. I was like, oh, we'll finally find out when it's going to come out. I clicked on the article, and it was like, well, while we don't know specifically when the second That's season bad, is going and I, bad journalism. I promise everyone out there, you will never find a piece of bad journalism like that out there from me because that is a bunch of lies. So, um, I know, I know. Oh, really quick, Brittany, because it's on, it's on the TV. I'm so bad about this. I keep saying one more time, one more time. But remember how we were talking before about Gordon? And how it's like looking back on the signs and everything like that, you know, if he, if that was all brain damage. Um, Donna's telling her mother about Gordon's, you know, uh, brain damage, and Don and Donna's mom's like, well, remember that one time that he was going to come and ask your father's permission to marry you, but he got, you know, off on the wrong gate or something like that. He got on the wrong flight or something like that, and Donna's like. That's my favorite story. It's cute. It was romantic. He was nervous. And the mother's like, but what if it was this? And I'm like, oh, no, no, no. Yeah, and then the mother's like, well, maybe the miscarriage was for a good reason. I was like, ooh. No, no. (laughs) The cats are looking at me screaming. I'm sorry, Maddie. Oh, my gosh. But, Brittany, I know that you got work today. Um, I'll let you get on to that. So, everyone, again, thank you so much for listening to this Top 10 Moments from Halt and Catch Fire. Have a wonderful day, and make sure that you keep uh, tuned for Geek Vibes Live a little later on this afternoon. All righty. Brittany, thank you again. Thank thank you, and y'all have a great day. You too. All right. Bye.